We're on. We're on. Okay. Perfect. This is Jill Rowley, by the way. In case you didn't know. In case you didn't know. Uh, she is here in Boston at the Drift HQ. You got a big week. You're in HQ, town for baby. a big week. We got a lot of stuff going on. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people say, I thought this is coffee with a CMO. What? I couldn't Coke resist, though. It's Diet Coke Diet with Coke. a not, it's Diet Coke with a not CMO. Never could be. <laughs> Actually, I, I study the best CMOs in the world. Yeah. And I... Who are the best CMOs in the world? Am in awe. It changes. Okay. And it's all, it's, it's relevant to the, there isn't one size CMO. And that, that is, there's a great article about this by Kim Whittier, Darden professor. I went to UVA, Wahua UVA. Okay. And it was the skills and the experience that you need at a different stage company, at a different buyer profile, at a different size. Like right now, they can't find a CMO for Facebook. Who wants to be the CMO of Facebook right now? What do you even do? Like, that's what I was saying. We, I was lucky enough, to, we were in um, Palo Alto, like, March, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we, Elias and I got to meet uh, with Gary Briggs, who was the CMO at Facebook. He is still acting time. CMO right now. Right, but they're trying they to can't find, find, they can't find a replacement. Yeah. Because who wants that job? Yeah. And it was like, it was just fascinating. Like, and and uh, the week we met with him was when the whole, um, the whole Facebook yeah, it was the Russia thing in, in March. Yeah. And so we were like, there's no way this he's there's no way he's still gonna meet with us. And sure enough, he came in and he was like, you know what, actually after the week that it's been, like I actually am looking forward to this meeting. So like and he was he was super cool, but that's just a, a side note to Was say. that was that an off camera meeting? Yeah, it was off camera. So yeah. he could actually tell you yeah. how his life is. Yeah, he wasn't like it was cool though. He wasn't like he didn't say anything bad. He, he just was honest. He's like, you know, the hardest part is like the communication and the story and blah blah. I mean, I'm sure. I also feel like if you're the CMO, if you're an executive at a, at Facebook, like there is no such thing as off the record. Like you know, you can't you can't say something to somebody over a coffee on the street and not expect that to go somewhere. Yeah. So yeah, but that's right. interesting. Like yeah, I guess it's a different skill set. Do you want to be the CMO of Facebook? What does that skill set entail? So you. That's a huge turnaround. Have right you now. have you been in? So but you're like you're not a CMO. No. You've been in sales. Have you been in sales your whole life? Yes. Yeah. So I always say I'm a sales professional trapped in a marketer's body. Okay. And I was the. Number I'm gonna one. steal that. I'm a marketing. Take this, this Armin for Armin, our our VPSS. Yeah. I'm a marketing profession. I'm a marketing professional trapped in a salesperson's body. And what does that mean to you? I don't know. I think it means I think I could sell, just like I think salespeople think they can do marketing. But see, no, because I'm different. Because I told you. You can't do. I I can't run marketing. Okay. So the thing is, I know. And I always say, DG, that the lines between sales and marketing are blurring and the roles are blending. Yes. And the lines are somewhat disappearing, right? They're being erased. But at the end of the day, they are different. And the things that you do in marketing are actually different from the things that your head of sales does in sales. And because at the end of the day, still, the way that things are structured is he owns the number. Mm-hmm. He owns the revenue number. You might be compensated on helping him get to that number, but he owns that number. And what you own is more uh, reach and an impact on revenue. But if the deals don't get closed, yes, he doesn't get kudos from the board, right? Yeah, yeah but don't you think? Don't you think if I don't? 
like in my role, if we're not generating the, the right leads or any of the other metrics that feed revenue, don't you think I wouldn't have my job? If you are measured yeah. on those metrics, yeah. yes. Right. Here's an in selling. Nobody wants to be sold to. Nobody wants to be marketed to. I have this slide. So, uh, Speaking at you and I are speaking at the same event. Yeah, tomorrow. I'm not the keynote. I'm just a speaker. I have ten minutes. <laughs> what am I supposed to do in ten minutes? I'm like, hi, I'm Dave Gerhart. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Have a good day. Uh, but I have not this. Not follow me. Engage with me. Engage with me. You don't want followers. You want engagers. I know. It's just something about saying like engage with me. You know, like it's implied. Say Change hi. The language. I say say hi to me. Yes, let's have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. But I say, I talk about uh, the difference between, I talk about like why you need to build a brand today. Yeah. And the key point is that you and I or anybody, we don't get sold to anymore, we buy. Right, we make the decision to buy. And there's so much research say, whether it's Forrester, Harvard Business Review, Boston Consulting Group, everybody's saying that now, the last place somebody goes when they're making a purchasing decision is your website, right? And so they go, they go, you know, Mm. Google search, uh, I do this all the time. I go on LinkedIn. I say, hey, does anybody, like, I'll use Marketo as an example. Yeah. Is anybody Great any, company, by the great way. Great company. Great. Does anybody have any experience with Marketo, right? I would write that on LinkedIn. And right. And it'd fill up with comments. And I would feel like, oh, okay, I should go use this product. And then I would ask to do the same and thing on should, Twitter. And you should, actually. You I should heard, talk about that. I heard. We should talk about that yeah. off, off camera. On camera. Um, and... Uh, on top of that, like then you go and read G2 uh, crowd reviews, right? And then when I'm ready, then I go in and engage with a salesperson and hope that they can answer the two or three class questions that I have before I buy. Right? right, right. And so I made the decision to buy, not somebody sold something to me. And I think that's such an important point. It is. So look, salespeople are being replaced by search engines because you Googled, yep. social networks because yep. you went to LinkedIn. Yep. But ultimately, it is, and I say this all the time, your best salespeople, Drift's best salespeople are not in this building. They're not. They're your customers who are willing to be your advocates. And you see it. I mean, you guys are creating this this movement and this incredible uh, conversation Mm -hmm. around what it is you're actually helping companies do. Can I be real with you? I, I hope so. This is the point of this, but yeah. So, when I started at Eloqua back in 2002, and I had familiarity with Eloqua because when I was a rep at Salesforce, Eloqua was my customer. Wait, when were you at Salesforce? 2000. 2000. To 2002. Pre-IPO, they go public in 2000? Oh, honey, pre-revenue. 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 Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, Salesforce was founded in 1999. Sure. I was one of the first, like, 20 salespeople. Did you have a Hawaiian shirt? Oh, addresses. Okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to show to you that I know my history. I'm trying to prove to you that I'm credible. I'm yeah. trying to give you that I know I my history. I already know you're credible because okay. I wouldn't be sitting here with you. Oh. Like, I do my research. Yeah. yeah. yeah so sure. I already know that you're credible. So your t- first 20 sales, first 20 sales salespeople at, at Salesforce. Salesforce. Yeah. And I'd never carried a bag. I didn't know what buying signals were. Well, how did you get that job? So Google is my best friend. So, like, I had to research what buying signals were yeah. and what what like traditional sales language. So it was really, I was living in San Francisco. I had left the consulting world. So you want to, I'll even tell you more. I want, so like 98, 99-ish, you're in San Francisco? 97, I went out there because I was in consulting. And uh, April 15th, 1999, my husband and I had our first kiss. 
<laughs> I think you say kid. Our first kiss. Kiss. Okay. We had our first okay. kiss. And you know the date? Oh yeah. Because it's your first date. Tax day. Tax day. Tax day. Okay. So April fifteenth, ninety nine. We had our first kiss. That was after. We need like a calendar to come in during this segment. Oh, we need a calendar. (laughs) Yeah, with like a first kiss. Okay. And it was like. (sighs) Yeah, April fifteenth, nineteen ninety seven. Ninety nine. Ninety nine. We met in ninety seven, and the day I met him, I called my mom. I'm like, oh my god, mom, I am in so much trouble. She's like, what did you do now? Like, I met my future husband. She said, great, you're not a lesbian. I'm like. Mom, I, I would have told you if I was a lesbian, right? Yeah. Like, like I would have told you. And I sort of, I knew I wasn't a lesbian. And so she's like, great. And I said, no. What? He's married. Yeah, he's married. And so I, you know, off limits, didn't pursue, yeah. sort of. Still flirted with him. He flirted with me. There was something there. There was really something there from the minute we locked eyes. He remembers exactly what I was wearing the day we met. What guy remembers what? That's controversial. Yeah. Like, he remembers what I was wearing. Yeah. So, anyways, we didn't kiss until April 15th, 99. I was not prepared for this interview, by the way. Go ahead. You, nothing's off limits. <laughs> like, this is this is the real Rowley. Yeah. That, right? That's what, this could, that's what this episode will be called, the real Rowley. The real Rowley. With Joe Rowley. With Joe Rowley. And me. And DG. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... So, so I you, so I was in consulting. Yeah. We kissed. Yeah. Okay, we started to have a relationship. We worked together. He was yeah. my boss's boss's boss. Yeah. So it was time for me to leave. I yeah. couldn't stay there. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is my opportunity in life to get off of this path yeah. of consulting and becoming a partner in a boring-ass company or going and finding my passion, which is sales. Mm-hmm. Like I knew I wanted to be in sales and I wanted to sell something that was easy to sell, not services. I didn't want to have to reinvent the wheel every single time. So I wanted to sell a product and it was super hard because no one wanted to interview me because I was six years into my work experience with no sales experience. So who was going to hire me? Right. And it was through my network. Like I was at a networking, a physical networking event and met someone, Drew Seacrest. And he, in just hearing me, he said, you should come interview at Salesforce. Like, okay. Sure. Had you heard of the company? No. Because yeah. although I was in Silicon Valley, I wasn't in the tech scene at right. this point. So I didn't know of this world and damn I mean the minute I learned of this world I was hooked so you go to Salesforce in 99 2000 is when I actually got the job you were there for two years two years yeah two years Eloqua was one of my customers what do you take away from the two years at at Salesforce 2000 to 2002 that you still like want to show people today or or educate or or what has stuck with you because I feel like yeah I'm just a fan and like, you know, I've read the book and the whole story, like, I feel like that just must have been such a crazy time, even to just be there for two years. I'm just interested in what you took from that. It was really awesome. Like, I definitely caught the Benioff bug. Do you know Mark Benioff? Yes. You do? Yeah. I know him. He knows me. That's actually even better. Can you, can you you help me I know him. him. That's easy. But like, the fact that he knows me is a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I help you get to him? What do you want to? What do you? What do you want from him? I want to have him sit here. Here? Yeah. He's a big guy. I I will go to him. I'll go to him. I'll go. Yeah. To, I'll go to Benioff's office. I want to go to his Hawaii house. Yeah. I have dreams about Benioff. You do? Often. I do. And my husband's okay with it. It's okay. Like, 
it is okay to have those kinds of, and people are those, you know, they get like starstruck with celebrities sure. like Jamie Foxx. We had him at Marketing Nation Summit. Yeah, yeah. Lindsey Vaughn. We had Will Smith. I don't care. I mean, like those people are not interesting to me. Benioff is interesting because I I actually can see a little bit of me in Benioff. Yeah. Certainly not the billions of dollars that he's worth and what he's actually done. But there's a little bit of me that I can see in Benioff. I can't see any of me in Lindsey Vaughn or sure. in Will Smith. Well, I, I can see that. Like I love. I think what what people don't what admit they miss. I love like I'm fascinated with people like Steve Jobs and Benioff. Yeah. Not because of who they are, but. They are the best marketers in the planet, right? Oh. There's been multiple CMOs at Salesforce, right? But there's only one CMO at Salesforce, That's and it's right. Benioff, right? That's right. There's a reason That's why right. there was never a CMO at Apple. Steve Jobs always had an agency and a VP of marketing, and the reason why is because he is the CMO. So I love like right. unpacking. When I think about who the best CMOs are, I think about you know Elon Musk, love him. Richard Branson, Steve Jobs, yep. Benioff. It's those type of people that really get it, I think, from a marketing perspective. So it must have been amazing to, to get a couple of years there and learn. It was amazing. I got to actually be in Benioff's office and you'll love this. So I bought a BlackBerry in 2001, yeah. I think is when I bought it. And it wasn't Salesforce issued because that wasn't a thing back then. And I took the article reprints from the wall because this is pre-email, really, before email was ruined. And I took the article reprints and I built HTML templates in Eloqua. I got to actually use Eloqua as a sales rep. Mm. And so I took all these article reprints, I put them into HTML templates, and I started to use email That's as what you were channel. sending out to people? Right. That's awesome. I sent one to Benioff. Yeah. Because all the other reps weren't doing anything like this. And I'm like, why isn't everybody doing this? We yeah. need a way to make everybody do this. So I sent it to Benioff, and he replied get every sales rep using this, exclamation, exclamation. That was back in 20, or 2001, 2001. So Salesforce was an eloquent customer. And Not a customer. How were you using it? Because they were my customer. Oh, I got you. So they were like, hey, you try this thing out. Yeah. You try this thing yeah, out. Cool. and then And then you sell it internally. That's a great idea. Right? Yeah. That's a brilliant idea. Yeah. And it worked. Yep. So... I got that note back from Benioff saying, get every sales rep using it. And unfortunately, I didn't, wasn't able to do that while I was at Salesforce. But then when I was at Eloqua, I, I was on a mission to get Salesforce as an Eloqua customer. Mm -hmm. Like, a mission. Mm -hmm. And I joined Eloqua in 2002. Okay. Salesforce became an Eloqua customer in 2011. August 17th, 2011. Nine, it took nine years. And Do you know who the rep was? For that deal? Yeah. You, you were there for nine years? I was there for 10 years. You had to work that deal for 10 years? Nine years I worked it. <laughs> Hashtag never give up. Never give up. I worked That's it. amazing. Worked it. That's amazing. And that's a lesson, right? Because we talk about so much, and especially in this business, it is monthly, it's quarterly, it's this deal slid, this deal is never going to come through. Like, it would have been easy for you to say, screw this. Like, I used to work at this company, they won't even freaking buy this product, right? Yep. And then 10 years later. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so awesome to be able to still have that BlackBerry. Like, I still have the BlackBerry. Yeah. And I kept the charger because yeah. you have to keep the so charger. So you turn it on, you can go through So it. I turned it on. Yeah. And, and when... I was the rep, so when I got the three-hour, 19-people committee demo session, work use case session, I brought the BlackBerry in, 
And I had everyone look at the BlackBerry in the note that Benioff had sent me, saying to get every sensor Nine years. Using it. Nine years. That's amazing. And thank God, Dan Darcy, if you guys don't know Dan Darcy, he's a great guy, he works at Salesforce. And um, it was Dreamforce of 2011. And I took the BlackBerry with me. And I had it with me for the opportunity that I got to show it to Benioff. And Dan arranged that I got to show the BlackBerry to Benioff of the note of him telling me to get every sales rep using it. What did he say? You know what he said? This is fucked up. This is like really fucked up. He looks at me and he's a big guy, right? And his presence is just so there. And he looks at me and he says, is this our BlackBerry? (laughs) You're like... We didn't, you didn't have that policy back then. This is not a company phone, my friend. It was not. A, I said, and I looked at him like, I was such an early adopter. Right. That was the first thing he said? That was the Like you had first, stolen this BlackBerry Like I had stolen the BlackBerry. That means there's some stuff on those BlackBerries. I still have the charger. That's amazing. See, this was all worth it just for that one Salesforce story. Yep. So um, let's yep. wrap up by talking. What are you doing now? Like you get to, you're at Marketo and you are a chief revenue officer, which is like, which is a, a new a role that's popping up more and more and more in, in, in this world. So how did you, like, what do you own at Marketo and what, what's on your radar? Like, what do you have to do this month, this quarter, next quarter? Whatever? Yeah, yeah. So truth of the matter is my title is Chief Growth, Chief growth Officer. Officer. That's what I, meant. Yeah. I know, but, but it, it's, it's misleading. Is and it I, misleading? Feel, I feel I need to make a confession right make here. Confess. It is. It's misleading because, look, my peers in the C-suite, which first off, I never had aspirations of being in the C-suite, ever. I have been an individual quota-carrying sales rep my entire career. And I don't do politics. I don't suck up to people who I don't respect. And to get into the C-suite, unfortunately, there's a lot of sucker-uppery that has to happen. And and oftentimes, a level of maturity that I just resisted. So I have the chief growth officer title because what Steve Lucas, who, if it wasn't for Steve, I wouldn't be at Marketo. There'd be no way. Because he understands me. He wanted me to be the chief marketing evangelist. Right. And this was back in May of 2017 that he came to me And he said, I want you to be our chief marketing evangelist. And the first thing I said is, I don't want to be an employee because I hadn't been an employee of a company for four years. I said, and and two, like being an employee means you're fireable. And I've been fired. Like I was fired by Oracle, Google, Jill Rowley fired by Oracle. I was actually fired by Salesforce. What happens if I Google Oracle, Jill Rowley fired? You'll have two articles to read. One is the San Francisco Chronicle, and one is the Business Insider article. Read them in that order. The the Chronicle and then the Business Insider. So you you can read it, and y'all can read it too, and tweet about it, please. And so I'm like, I don't want to be an employee. It just puts me in this position of being fireable again. And so I said, I want to be on your board. I want to be board of directors at Marketo. And what I didn't know is I didn't understand the whole Vista private equity and so I didn't understand that, that that was inconceivable because being on the board of private equity. And so he says, 
And then, too, he didn't have a chief marketing officer at Marketo. Right. I can't come and do anything. If I was right. to come. Right. How can I evangelize marketing if there's no, yeah. If there's no running marketing. Right, right. Like running marketing. Because right. that mean I run marketing? Like what? Yeah. And I would suck. Yeah. Like, I would literally fall on my freaking face <laughs> if I had to be the CMO of Marketo. Yeah. And so I have tremendous respect for my peers because they do things that I functionally can't do. I love scale and I love process. And I know how important those things are and I understand how they, how they come to be. But I'm not an execution person anymore. I've grown out of that role. Yeah. And I just don't operate that way anymore. So really at Marketo, what I feel like I do is I'm really more of the chief engagement officer. Like there's nothing I would rather do in a day than engage with customers, future advocates, like I don't call them prospects, but I always think about eventually nine, 10 years later, Salesforce became a customer. So I had to treat Salesforce and everyone I met through those nine, ten years right. as a future advocate. For sure. Because it takes that, it can take that long. You never know. You never know. Jonathan Becker at SAP. He was the EVP of field marketing at SAP, then the CMO. He's now CMO of the Sharks. And we, we still have this wonderful relationship where he didn't buy from me at SAP. I was the rep for SAP, too, and I lost that deal to lead Formix. And I didn't get a commission check. From that, but I've gotten so much more than a commission check from that. Yeah, because you probably learned why you didn't, and then and then how to you know what you could do for other people, and for sure. Or or when to walk away. Yeah. When it's political, and it's beyond winning for the for the merit of winning and an objective evaluation. When it's going to be something not in your control, yeah. then don't. And you've got to be smart enough and have experienced enough people around you to know. Like with Drift, I don't know if you guys will ever actually use Marketo because you guys are trying to approach things from a radically different point of view. Sure. But you're not going to let me off the hook for 10 years now, though. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. That's what I'm learning. Yeah. Okay. But I will never be in-your-face salesy. Yeah, for sure. And try to put a deal together that... No, you just ask the question. You say, I have an honest question for you. Why are you not using Marketo? It's yeah. not threatening. It's... And the more I learn about you, I don't even have to ask the question. Because sure. I know the answer. Mm -hmm. Because I know you. Mm -hmm. And all I want to do is be able to help you in what you're trying to achieve. And if that doesn't include using my software, that's okay. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I could talk to you for hours, but you got some important weeks. stuff to do. Hours, weeks, months, 10 years. I'm signed up for 10 years, ten years. of uh, Jill Rowley now. So thank you for doing this. Thank you. I appreciate it. And um, yeah, even though, you know, I think we had to break the rules for this one because I, I think you're here and uh, I know you're going to have a bunch of good CMOs for later too. All right. We're out. We're out. Peace.